Let's just pray, shall we? Father, we thank you, Lord, for your word. And we'd ask the Lord that you would just speak to us, Lord. Stir our hearts, Lord. Cause us to hear you. Minister to each one of us, Lord. And our need. Draw close to us, Lord. Let us sense your embrace this morning. Lift us up. In Jesus' name. Amen. Can I hide that just now? Amen. I mean, you're reading this morning from uh, Luke's Gospel. And you know, it's a Christmas season, so I just want to bring into your heart some perspectives that just uh, might rest with you and help you to enjoy Christmas in a new way. I'll be getting hearings next. In the Old Testament, you know, that the, the Jews uh, went to Jerusalem up to the temple seven times a year to praise the Lord. And there was a time of praise and worship and attention and the old family festivities. You know. They would all travel and uh, the folks that were in the city would stand in the gates, the wall of the gates, and, and they, would, they would sing the Psalms to them as they were coming and say, Come ye to the house of the Lord, open his gates, lift up his gates. And the people coming up the road would sing back profession, Oh, come to the Mount of Zion and let us enjoy. And there was a time of rejoicing, you know, a time of feasting, a time of, there was a real time of spiritual retreat. We lost a lot of that in the Christian festivals today, but Christmas is one of the things when the families get together and we celebrate. And so sad that we've lost a lot of the of the reality of the spiritual retreat in the sense of drawing near to God in it. With the tents on the hall in the ivy and the Santa Clauses and the mistletoes and all the rest of it. Yeah. I'm just praying this morning, you know, that when we lay some perspectives for you Christmas, that Christmas this year to you. Have a new meaning for you, and you'll discover afresh the joy of the Lord in it for you. So we'll look at Luke's Gospel, chapter 2, and we'll read in verse 1. And it came to pass in those days there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. And this taxing was first made when Cyrenus was governor of Syria. And all went to be taxed, everyone to his own city. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, out of the city of Nazareth, into Judea, unto the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house of the lineage of David. He went to be taxed with Mary as his spouse wife, being great with child. And so it was, and while they were there, the days were accomplished, that she should be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son, wrapped him in swaddling clothes, and laid him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. And they were in the same country, shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were sore afraid. 
And the angel said unto them, Fear not. For behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Saviour, which is Christ the Lord. May may God have the blessed for reading this word. Text this morning is found in verse 10 and 11. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people, for unto you is born this day in the city of David the Saviour, for it's Christ Lord. I love these wee wee words there in verse 10. Fear not, you know. It's a great encouragement, fear not. You know, there are 365 fear nots in the Bible. How do you know? Because I've collected them. And I've made a wee diary. And I've got one for every day of the week. You know, what better can you start with a day by saying fear not? But the wonderful thing about God's fear not is not just buck up, lad. Don't be afraid. There's always a blessing with it. And the reason for the fear not is, fear not, he says, for I am with you. Fear not, for the battles of the Lord. Fear not, for I will provoke your children. Fear not, for greater is he that is in you than he is in the Lord. So look for a fear not, you know. It took me three years to get my diary filled up. Because I didn't use it in cordons. <laughs> Every time I got a fear not, I said, thank you Lord. What way you start your day? Eh? You go to the doctors? Fear not. <laughs> you got a big bell through the door? <laughs> fear not. I'll be right. Having some difficulties and adversities, circumstances. Fear not. I am for you. No. So live in the fear of us. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God. Believe also in me. No. That's just to be a sailing. No. Christmas, you know, is a thing about birth. It's the story, of course, you know, of birth. Now I say this is a wee, this is my grandson. <laughs> You're all allowed to say, oh, isn't he lovely? <laughs> It was his birthday this month. And I was wondering, what should I get him? Should I get him a, a musical rattle? Or a wee mobile above his coat? But that wouldn't be very suitable. Because that's how he is today. <laughs> that's how he is today. And the reality is, Jesus is no longer a baby. He's the King of Kings. He's the Lord of Lords. He's seated in the heavens. And all power and all authority is given unto him. The issues of life and death are in his hands. He will one day stand in the mount of olives and judge the world and the nations. And all the nations will come and bow before him and pay tribute to him. And even those that pierced him will see him. He's the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings. He's no longer the babe, gentle Jesus, meek and mild. Now that's not to say that we forget about celebrating his birthday. Of course we can. But get it into perspective, you know. This Jesus of worship is the all-powerful one. He comes before you. The other thing about this story was, you know, God is in control. Not Caesar. We get upstate, you know, I want to tell you this, don't go upstate about Brexit. Don't get worried about Donald Trump. 
God is in control. He sets up the nations. He determines their boundaries. He determines their days. He raises them up and he puts them down. This was not Caesar's agenda. Christmas was God's planning. Christmas is God's agenda. Caesar issued a degree that everybody should go back to their birthplace and get registered. Only because God wanted Joseph in Bethlehem. God uses the nations to complete and fulfill his purposes. And the world situation today is that the world nations have been postured and put into position for God's end time plans. His promises are yes and amen in Christ and will be fulfilled. It's always been that, you know. Way back in the days of Pharaoh, God says, I've hardened your heart that I might show my wonders. It took Cyrene, who was the king of the Persians, when Israel was in bondage and captivity, God said, for 70 years you'll be in captivity. And at the end of 70 years, this pagan king <laughs> sends them back to build the temple. In God's plan. In God's plan. You know, all the authorities are appointed by God. Some for judgment, <laughs> and some for blessing. It doesn't matter who gets into number 10 <laughs> when he's in there, but God's appointed man. And we are the one to pray for him. Yeah. And he will be there simply to bring about the workings of God. Yeah. We're called to pray for the verses. Jesus says to the same, you know, the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat, therefore hear them. <laughs> Don't do what they do, he says. But they sit in Moses' seat, and now they have a place and authority in God. So listen to the word. And we're under authorities, you know, to pray for authorities. Paul says, pray for the authorities, that you might have peace. When Israel went into captivity in Babylonia, the prophet Jeremiah says, pray for them. Yeah. Pray for them. That it may be well with you. God is a creator. God is in control and it's his world. He's the one. He's the one that reigns. Christmas is also the message of a promise fulfilled. The promises of God are yes and amen. No doubt about it. If you're going to be promised from God you're being hanging on to <laughs> and you've not got it yet, it's coming. It's coming. God is not a man that should lie. His words are without all lie. God says, what I say, I will do. The promises are yes and amen. And Christ was the Messiah was promised. Way back in Genesis, when the fall, and God was talking about his restoration, his, his restoration he says, and he shall be born, who shall bruise his heel on the head of Satan. And Daniel, he says, there will be a Messiah who will come, and he will sit upon the throne of David. And rule and bring in righteousness with a righteous center. And Isaiah says, A virgin shall bear a son. And this shall be a sign unto you. He said to the king, You know, ask for a sign. Ask me for a sign. And the king says, Oh, I'm not going to ask you for a sign. 
Because what I'm giving you a sign, an undisputable sign, an irrefutable sign, that you will know this is of God. That was why they visited birth. And a virgin shall be a son. And you shall know this is my Messiah. You shall sit on the throne of David. He was promised and he came. Good news to all men. For this day is born unto you a saviour. That's the message of Christmas. A saviour has come. That's the real message. God has birthed salvation. The real message of Christmas. God came down to redeem the lost. To bring back his creation. And you often say, I don't know why God puts up with us. Why doesn't he just squash us and start again? Well, I tell you, that's his plan. He wants to squash your old life to be a new one. It's called a new birth. That's how he starts again. Buries the old, <laughs> resurrects the new. A new creation in Christ Jesus. We need to be saved, folks. Folks need to be saved. This world is in such a dire mess, its only hope is salvation. It's only hope of deliverance of God. When men turn their back on God and in God's laws, they simply become godless. And we're living in a nation and a society that's now godless. That's the situation that God has come in to reveal. You need to get saved. Not because your life's a mess. Not because you're addicted and hopeless. And not even because you're paid good. These are just a fringe benefits. You need to be saved because the Bible says salvation is to be saved from the wrath that's just to come. For God has appointed the day when he will judge the world in righteousness. We need to be saved from our condemnation. We need to be born again of the Spirit of God, delivered from our sin. I want to tell you that sin has nothing to do with society. It's not how better you are or how worse you are than your neighbour. How you compare. Sin has nothing to do with criminality. Sin has to do with your standing with God. That's what it's all about. A sinner is someone who is in rebellion with God. Sin is a transgression of God's law. Sin is that heart attitude says, I'm not going to have this man who loves me. It says it nicer than that. It says, I don't really need God. I can manage. And society has abandoned and outlawed God. And we're reaping the fruits of it. God has done this. Sin says, I will be God. Jesus came to redeem that situation. To make it possible for us to be reconciled to God. When Adam sinned, he lost fellowship with God. But the garden, an environment of God. 
And the Bible says, and Adam, all men died. But in the second Adam, Christ, all men can be made alive in him. So Jesus came to redeem us by dealing with the sin problem. Removing your sin. Now God's just. <laughs> and that's the problem. He's also righteous. God says the wages of sin is death. Hmm? I want to tell you this if God doesn't judge Scotland or the West or Europe or the world, <laughs> he's going to have to apologize to Sodom and Gomorrah. Judgment is coming. But God always makes a way of salvation and mercy. And judgment, Lord, remember mercy. So Jesus came to deal with your sin. The wages of sin is death. Without the shedding of blood, there's no remission. Jesus took your place. He shed the blood. He died death. That you may go free. He took your place. And on him was laid your sin. And on him was laid your iniquity. Under him <laughs> you were set free. That you may be saved. And discover the gift of God, which is eternal life in Christ. Hebrews 2 and 3 says, How shall we escape if we neglect this great salvation? If you're not saved, if you haven't bowed the knee to Jesus, you can do it today. You can discover. <laughs> That Jesus is alive. My young brother's birthday was the 29th of November. We should celebrate it. I don't celebrate it anymore because he's dead. But we celebrate the birth of Jesus because he is alive. He is alive. It's not a myth, it's not a doctrine. It's not a creed to hang in your living room wall. Christ will come into your life and appeal you. Salvation is not pie in the sky. It's life now. Jesus has come that you may have more life more abundant. Full of joy, unspeakable and full of glory. For the kingdom of God is joy, peace and righteousness. You know? Folks, getting saved is no becoming miserable. <laughs> getting saved has become liberated. <laughs> getting saved has become alive. Yeah. You think some of you are going to the dentist? And <laughs> <laughs> <Hey? laughs> hey, you, rivers of water bubbling up and overflowing. Hey? Joy unspeakable and full of glory. <laughs> I should know we Christian just stood at the corner every day and pass him at lunchtime and stuff. We Johnny. How's it doing again, Johnny? Aye, alright. Enjoying the Lord? Aye. 
Yeah. Eh? I bet you're on your face. Do we look at the people, the happiest people on the earth? Because that's what we are. See? The new birth brings in a new creation. A new you. It deals with the past. It buries the baggage. Gives you a clean sheet. God looks upon you as as he looks upon Jesus. My beloved. And whom I am well pleased. He looks upon you and believe it or not, he says, you're the apple of my... Not only that, he calls you an evergreen, a preserved species. Eh? Oh boy, it's wonderful being God's garden, eh? He makes all things new. My father, in his latter days, had a bit of depression. You know. And if I get sad, I would say, You get like your dad? I want to tell you this in Christ the old genes are gone I'm a new creature I'm a new creature in Christ the old baggage goes I'm a new person St. Corinthians any man being Christ he's a new person the old things pass away and all things become new no guilt God's forgotten about myself buried it removed it eh? I tell you I have no problem forgiving myself than God has forgiven me <laughs> forgiven buried the new life is joy and sweet hope so what does salvation benefit? Are you enjoying the good of it? Now first of all it says we're justified. Eh? That means we're legally alright. That means the penalty has been settled. That means we have nothing to answer to. It's dealt with. I'm legally a child of God. If any man receive him, so then he gives the power to become a son of God. So I'm justified. Satan, you're a liar. The accuser of the brethren. Ah, but you did that, sorry. <laughs> That's cancelled. That's cancelled. Jesus paid the price for that. No, I'm justified. But I'm sanctified. You know what that means? That means I'm set aside for God. My wife and I have a wee bit of domestic dispute now and again. Would you believe that? <laughs> I've got a shammy for washing the car, and she's got a shammy that I dearly touch. <laughs> I call that the sanctified shammy. <laughs> because it's set aside. That's what God regards you. Say aside as his. Touch not my anointed. Dedicated unto him. Not only am I sanctified, but I've been reconciled. 
Jesus died that we may be reconciled to the Father. Brought back into the household of faith. There was given the spirit of adoption. Whereby we say, I'm a father. I'm a father. And we are indeed the children of God. But it says, what manner of love is this? That we should be called the children of God. For a salvation. For a salvation. Christmas God's plan God's promise fulfilled the message there's a saviour who is Christ the Lord and he came that you may have the gift of eternal life 